0: everybody. Welcome back to the Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast. This is your favorite sexy librarian, Rose Carraway. It's been a while. I know you guys. I love you. I've missed you. And I'm so freaking glad to be back. I got a whole bunch of stuff coming up for you, but I'm not gonna give it to you all right now. (laughs) I'm just gonna give it to you easy. (laughs) I'm gonna slow you into it. Um, I've got a lot of episodes planned and they're all really sexy, really good from really talented people and I'm just, Super excited about it. Um, I've just finished a new anthology. It's the Sexy Librarians Dirty Thirty Volume 2. The ebook's out right now. Audio and print are not quite out, but they will be very soon. Um, But this project, the reason I mention it is it's it's super special uh, for me and for Big Daddy and Stupid Fish Productions. You know, we've been at this, I think, for God, seven years now or something, for a while. And I've just recently kind of come to a realization you know I wanted to connect with the fans of the show and I wanted to do that through this book you know I talked to so many authors and I reached out to lurid listeners I wanted to hear from you guys how erotica has actually benefited you what good it's done you um, how it's helped you talk to your partner and, and just think of yourself the testimonials that we got back they, they were so meaningful and so moving, and I think that you guys will be able to relate to them and maybe be more encouraged to, you know, just talk to your partners a little more openly. Um, so anyway, I brought some testimonials and published those in the very front of that Dirty 30 Volume 2 book, so I'm super excited about that, and even more so, it's, it's inspired me to actually read your emails on the show here, Um, just so that you guys can hear the rest of the audience and kind of what's going on with other people that you're not alone. Um, So what I've done is I have asked Big Daddy to come on the show and read the emails for me. So he's going to read our very first email, John from Alaska.
1: Hello Rose. I just wanted to write and tell you about how much I appreciate your stories and your blogcast. I just listened to your interview with Dr. David Lay this morning and told my wife afterwards how thankful I am to be able to listen to folks who both have some life experience and a healthy caring positive acknowledgement of the value of each individual's sexuality. Keep up the great job you two. You're helping marriages more than you'll ever know. Sincerely, John from Alaska.
0: Oh, thank you so much, John from Alaska. I'm so happy that you reached out. Um, yes, having Dr. David Lay on the show, on that Sexy Librarian Blogcast show, oh my God, that was so much fun. I could have had him on three times as long, but he he's very busy, And uh, but he did agree to come back, so that's fabulous. Um, yes, I think that it is so important to have that, that healthy, caring, positive acknowledgement we are individuals and so is our sexuality. And, um, I, I just find that yes, through podcasts, through audiobooks, through books, um, we are given so much better permission to explore ourselves and, you know, figure out who we are and have fun with it too. Like that's always first and foremost for me. I want to entertain you guys and I want to have fun along the way. So, um, we're learning as we go with that. So, uh, you know, that's that, what do you call that? That that synergy it's perfect synergy (laughs) thank you so much john from alaska for your lovely email and hugs and kisses to your wife too all right you guys let's get to the good stuff today's episode isn't from any anthologies or any audiobooks that i've done today's story was written by me um and I did it during a little stint of this, um, It's it was a hashtag 500 words a day thing that was on Twitter. Um, and what you did was instead of going on social media first thing in the morning, you would get to the writing first thing and then later go to social media because social media has been for a while kind of sucking the creativity out of a lot of people. And so this was kind of our way of just kind of not getting sucked into that Um and so I came up with a story. And so if you guys do want me to continue this story, I would love to. You've just got to let me know uh, by email or by Twitter. So you can email me at thekissmequicks at gmail.com or get in touch with me on Twitter at Rose Head, Whichever way is easier for you. So what I did is I kind of went and got in touch with this old fantasy of mine Um, back in 92 Bram Stoker's Dracula came out with Keanu Reeves and uh, Winona Ryder and I forget the other guy uh, Dracula and anyway there's a scene in there where Dracula becomes this wolfman guy and he fucks um, Lucy on some altar or something and it was very erotic to me, and I just dreamed about it and dreamed about it for a very long time. And so I kind of made it my own little story about a werewolf having sex with a chick. Um, so there we go, you know, cheers to celebrating and talking about and entertaining our own fantasies. So that's what this story is all about. Without further ado, here is my story dedicated to you beautiful, lurid listeners. It also turns me on a lot. So, you know, and I think that comes through. (laughs) Um, So, here is my sexy early Halloween gift to you, lurid listeners Wolf Witch. The energy around me was changing with yet another full moon approaching, but this one felt different. Either that or I was actually becoming paranoid. Though only one had found me so far, other beings in this world would come sniffing around as the full moon rose. Despite what my parents tried to convince me of, there existed monsters. Monsters who would want me dead. Monsters who would need my help. I had to keep my family safe from those who would try to hurt them to get to me. Don't you think open flames are just a little bit dangerous around a newspaper stand? Oh, stop it, Pam. Your jealousy's showing. Besides, we sold out. My arms were loaded with today's handmade, ordinary-looking candles. On the surface, I was trying to help my sister make a little extra money. My candles weren't cheap. Below the surface, the wax was infused with a special protection spell that prevented evil entities from getting too close. I wanted Pam to drop this archaic newsstand business and come work with me at my specialty shop as a full partner. Passersby didn't even see her newsstand anymore. They were too busy with their cell phones. Newspapers and magazines were dying breeds. And in many ways, so was Pam. The hours she worked were horrible. I was around her daughter more than she was. We walked around to the little side door of Pam's Victorian-designed newsstand. It was noon, and with my arms full, I was already sweating bullets. I kicked the side door none too gently. Hello, these are heavy. The scented pillar on top was close to rolling off the pile. I strained to keep it balanced. A sudden flash of inspiration hit, as I envisioned making all of Pam's candles square rather than round. Circular geometrics worked better for some magic. I made another mental note to check into circle versus square protection spell performance later. Through the little window in the side door, I could see Pam still sitting on her stool, arms crossed, obviously enjoying herself. After she dragged herself up, she took her time rummaging around under the front counter for a box lid before opening the side door. Here, use this... "'But I swear to God, Katie, if you light another one of those eucalyptus ones today, or ugh, that patchouli-flavored one!' Leaning over to sniff-test the pile, Pam wrinkled her nose. First of all, dear sister, candles are scented, not flavored. And second, a lot of my customers actually request patchouli. I didn't personally like the scent, but I wasn't about to admit that to Pam.' Stronger-scented candles were purposefully chosen to mask the protection spell's less attractive aromas. I dumped my inventory into the offered box lid as carefully as possible, then came back around to the front of Pam's newsstand to begin organizing them. I couldn't stand being inside that metal box. I loved Pam, but breathing another person's used air wasn't my cup of tea, especially in the summer. And I didn't like such small, enclosed spaces so much. Well, excuse me for not wanting to smell like a hippie. Pam reached through her service window and sniffed the candles one by one. I waited for her face to pinch up in repulsion, but this time it didn't. They smell good. Now if I could just get some literate customers. Pam wiped her brow. Middle of May, and it was our first heat wave of the season. Her little circulating desk fan was useless. Be right back, I said, then darted through the stalled lunch rush traffic back to my shop. I returned with a couple sandwiches and a thermos of iced tea. I pulled two cups from my cleavage. Sorry, might have gotten a little sweaty. Ew. Oh, come on, it's not that bad. I hefted the thermos onto the counter. Kate! not on the news. You know, you should just stay at the shop and let me come over there on break. You take a break, please. I lifted the heavy thermos so Pam could move a couple of magazine stacks over. She was just about to hand me the first plastic cup when she became distracted. What? I turned. Oh, wow. He's new. He was somewhere in his mid to late thirties if I had to guess. It was hard to tell due to his longish hair and cute pirate-like beard. Talk about hippie. He stood skyscraper tall and was dancing on sunshine about something, smiling beautifully while talking on his cell phone. He didn't seem to notice that he was headed straight for the newsstand. That's what I said. Fuck me. We're doing it. The man was smiling so big, I couldn't help but smile with him, for him. Whatever he'd just landed, he was over the moon about it. Pam cleared her throat. Apparently, I was staring. But I'd never seen this guy come out of the apartment building across from my sister's newsstand before. He was beautiful to look at. I began picturing what he'd look like without his ratty jeans and high-priced, worn-out t-shirt. And before I knew it, Pam was clearing her throat again, louder. The big man stuffed the phone into his pocket, then suddenly had my sister's hand in his and was kissing her knuckles. My swooning heart fractured. I was in lust one moment, then heartbroken the next. Wow, that good of news, huh? Pam said, completely unflustered. But then the guide turned toward me. I looked up. I don't think I ever stopped smiling. He sure hadn't. Excellent news. He laughed. It was a gorgeous sound that made my heart flutter. He threw his long muscled arms into the air and crowed. Then he grabbed my waist, spun me around, and kissed me right on the lips. I opened my mouth automatically. Now, ordinarily, I'd have totally kicked his ass, but instead, I melted. Every full moon, my libido goes a little haywire, and this man ratcheted my sex levels up to new peaks. Lust radiated through me. Breathing was inconsequential as we kissed all lips, teeth, and tongues, and that's when the vision came. I jerked back, broke away from those perfect rock star lips and whiskers. Ethan, I see you got the news. Ethan, the happiest, most beautiful man on the planet, cleared his throat, then headed toward his friend in the loading zone, in a waiting Range Rover, and drove away. Kate! I couldn't shake those teeth, how they'd gleamed that savage milky white. The sensation of utter vulnerability made my pussy ache, my nipples tightened, my heart rate soared. I clasped my fingers under my chin. It was the only way to stop their shaking. It was to be him. Kate? Ah, jeez, it was just a kiss. I ignored the patronizing tone in Pam's voice. On autopilot, I bolted back across the street, uncaring that the light had just turned green. Over the honks and tire screeches, Pam shouted at me from the safety of the crosswalk. I fumbled with the key until the lock finally clicked, and then I shoved the door open and headed for my office. It felt foreign now, in my shop. Costumey. I'd had this place for nearly six years, but this was the first time where I felt like a charlatan. Books, candles, incense, tarot cards, crystals, stones, spell ingredients. I sold all the telltale trinkets of a supposed witch. It dawned on me then, as I unlocked my office door, why Pam always gave me such a hard time. Why she'd lectured me relentlessly about being so self-indulgent. Inside the drawer of my garage sale gem of a desk was my grimoire. The raised silver insignia on the cover felt cold under my fingertips. An instant calmness washed over me, but the tremors of desire stirred deep in my belly. Only its blood, his blood, could forge the collar of bondage. Jesus, Kate, are you trying to kill yourself? What the hell's gotten into you? Pam stormed into my office. Her eyes widened when she saw what I was holding. She knew about my spellbook, but I'd refused to ever show it to her. Technically, I wasn't supposed to. I'd also told my sister that I was a witch, but never actually explained what kind of witch. Whenever the subject of magic came up, Pam's eyes rolled back on cue every time. If I'd have thrown werewolves into the conversation, she would have had me committed in a hot second. Now though, my sister would finally get the whole truth because I was panicking. I shoved everything that was on top of my desk aside and set the grimoire down. Pam, we need to talk and you really have to listen because I don't think I can do this thing alone. I didn't look up to see if she was paying attention Instead, I opened my spellbook to the very first page. I told her about the witch that had visited me the night I turned eight years old. Why the first page of the grimoire was stained by my small bloody handprint. rubbed her temples. When are you going to stop all this nonsense? You are not some special hand-picked witch who can tame werewolves. And for the last time, all this crap you sell, it isn't magic. She was right. The things weren't magic, but I was. And so was my grimoire, but I couldn't tell her that. Look, the guy kissed you. Yes, it was invasive, she flashed a pair of air quotes. But you should feel complimented that a guy is attractive as that. Even Pam saw her argument's gaping flaw, but she was understandably at her wit's end. You just can't go around calling a guy a werewolf. I'm not calling him anything, Pam, but by midnight tonight, he will be selected. I saw it happen, and I need to be there for him after to keep him safe. The first change is always brutal. He could die. And because of all the new magic running in his blood, it'll be like ringing the dinner bell for any nearby van... Um, I shifted gears, started rambling about how there were other beings in this world, some who would love nothing more than to claim Ethan as their own. Werewolves were in layman's terms, incredibly rare. I described my vision, how I saw that Ethan wasn't going to get a single toe up that mountain he wanted to climb because of the old werewolf that was going to bite him under its last moon. I didn't offer any of the gory details and definitely none of the explicitness of the collaring process through which I would later tame the monster. I just told my sister the bare minimum of what she needed to know, and then crossed my mental fingers that she wouldn't have me thrown into the loony bin before sundown, or worse, completely shut me out of her life forever. I could hear exactly how cartoonish all this sounded. So let me get this straight. This random hot stranger who kissed you is now going to become a werewolf? And after his mighty morphin-time transformation, you're going to put some of his blood into your big magic spellbook there, and then it's going to birth some kind of magic collar for you to put around his neck so that he belongs to you for hundreds and hundreds of years like you're some kind of kinky werewolf whisperer? I know, it sounds ridiculous. You think? Pam threw her hands up, completely bailing out of the conversation like it was a sinking ship. I'm so sick of this. She started to leave, but then turned around. Listen, you go on ahead and play your little witches and werewolves games. I don't care. Just don't bring it around, Lindy. Her eyes glistened. She chuckled. It was an exhausted, resentful sound. I, on the other hand, am a mother who has to deal with real-world problems. Pam suddenly looked more defeated than I'd seen her in a long time. You still picking up Lindy and closing for me tonight so I can meet with the lawyer? I nodded, a little defeated myself. Yeah, of course. Seven, right? I'd forgotten all about the custody battle. Pam, listen, I just got spooked, okay? It's not every day a super tall, hot guy like that hauls off and kisses me. Pam's eventual crooked smile made me crooked smile back. I hated doing this to her. She had a daughter to think about. Still, I couldn't help but wish with all my heart that she would believe me just a little bit. I just wish you would. She shook her head, tired of this old fight. She looked around the office again, nodding to herself. Whatever this is, it's working for you. I really just want you to be happy, Katie. That's all. I want the three of us to finally be happy. "'Here, a little sustenance before battle?' Pam accepted the fast food bag while stepping aside so I could join her inside the too small newsstand. "'Tom's?' she asked. I nodded, tried to calm my nerves. I felt like a sardine packed into a small tin. Pam nearly crushed the burger and fries between us. I hugged her back, doing my best to ignore the claustrophobia that itched just below my skin.' We hadn't spoken or even texted since that afternoon. I was just relieved that my sister hadn't disowned me. Well, if tonight goes the way I hope, I'll be one step closer to maybe hiring someone so I can spend more time with Lindy. You've totally got this. Oh, I arranged for Lindy to stay at Kayla's all weekend, just in case things don't. Pam smiled. Thanks, and I'm sorry about... I mean, this werewolf business, it's just... I shook my head. It's fine. A good-looking man kissed me, and I freaked out. Let's look at the bright side. At least we aren't fighting over him. I laughed, but measured my sister's reaction just in case. I couldn't get him or the werewolf off my mind all day. Tell you what, if that hunk of hippie meat comes back, he's all yours. Yay, me! I grinned. Anything I should know before you head out? I tucked myself down onto Pam's little bar stool, adjusted my skirt. The air was already getting too thick inside the newsstand. No, all your candles sold, of course. Pam reached behind the bar stool for her oversized purse. I tried to make myself smaller. You know, come to think of it, there was this weird super pale dude earlier. He was just sort of lurking in the alleyway, trying to look like he wasn't lurking. Between the apartments? I poked my head out of the stand's window. The city air calmed my nerves a little. Yeah, but I haven't seen him since the sun started going down. Gets pretty dark over there. Pam shouldered her giant purse, stuffed the fast food bag inside it, and then let herself out of the newsstand. I could breathe a little easier. She came around front. Made sure the display panels were perfect, then straightened the gum and candy shelves. Handing me the keys through the service window, she said, Okay, I'm out of here. Oh, make sure the locks click all the way. Will do. I checked my phone. It's almost 7.30. You'd better get a move on. I looked toward the alley. Pam noticed and immediately mirrored my expression. Everything's going to be fine, right? Yes, now get going, would ya? Wish me luck! Pam shoved a hug at me through the little front window, then hailed a taxi. I couldn't help looking toward the alleyway again. The growing darkness there pulled at me. I couldn't really see anything except a dumpster. For some reason, the streetlights hadn't kicked on yet. From inside the newsstand, I also couldn't see the moon, and it made me restless. I wondered if Ethan had left for his mountain climbing trip yet. Guilt rolled around in my belly, hot and bothersome. He had no idea what awaited him there. I checked my cell phone again, three hours before I could close up. I considered running back across the street for more protection candles. If only I knew how to perform a safe hex. I could feel the full moon swell over the city, If everything went well, tomorrow I'd have my werewolf. Between the apartment buildings, I could just make out the edge of the dumpster. But saw no weirdo. Nobody wanted a newspaper, not even a pack of gum. I'd spent most of my time contemplating, thinking about collaring my werewolf and what it would take to bring the monster to heel. I imagined the waxing gibbous above was an opening eye looking down at me, questioning if I had the guts to face the beast and withstand the pain. If I could handle the immense responsibility afterward, I didn't even want to think about what would happen if I failed. Not to mention, my libido was rising, hard. But this time, I had to let it build. My body was preparing. As a distraction, I became somewhat obsessed with the alleyway. I tried to ignore how every time I moved just right on the bar stool, my aching clit would press against the hard seat. I strained to see if anyone or anything might be tucked in the blackness. The street lamp still hadn't come on. Paranoia had my nerves on edge. It felt like someone was hiding back there, watching, waiting, wanting the same thing I wanted. The sidewalks were all but barren. At 10 to 10, I couldn't take it anymore. I rolled down the steel cover to the front window. Folding in the side display panels, I made sure that Pam's merchandise wasn't rumpled along the way. Then I listened for each thunk that told me when a lock had engaged. As I shoved Pam's keys into my skirt pocket, I felt a tingle at the back of my neck and spun around. Peering into the darkness of the alleyway, my heart thumped and my palms sweated. I wiped my hands down my skirt and decided to just take a look if for no other reason than to set my hyperactive nerves to rest. I expected something to jump from the shadows, but nothing did. Except for a little bit of trash that had missed the dumpster and the rank smell of piss, there was nothing else back here but darkness. Hello? My spine cracked against the corner of the dumpster. Ow! While I hadn't immediately recognized the voice, I did know the shape of the man calling into the alleyway. My heart leaped, and my mouth was suddenly dry. Ethan, it's you. I tried not to wince. Even now, I didn't want him to see any weakness from me. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. He held out a steadying hand. I thought I saw you go in here. I wanted to come by and apologize. He trailed off. The truth is, Ethan stepped closer, and the streetlight buzzed to life just like magic. I can't stop thinking about you. Lust stampeded within my blood. My heart hammered to stay ahead of the rush, but it was too potent. Ethan. His name felt true to my purpose. The warm refraction of lamplight in his eyes made me imagine how the moon would soon glint there, too. And then guilt brought me to heel. Ethan closed the distance between us for me and instinct pushed me onto tiptoe, pressed me hard against him. I maneuvered him against the brick apartment building, reached up, and pulled his beard until his lips crashed against mine. His whiskers scratched my nose, lips, and chin. Ethan's breath caught at the sound of my undoing his zipper. My kisses weren't the tender explorations of a careful new lover. I didn't ask for permission or even hesitate before reaching in for his long, swelling cock. My mind strayed for the briefest of moments. The knowledge of what was to happen to this man threatened to obstruct my passion. But then Ethan spun me around, pressed his body against mine. He bit my earlobe, pulled the crotch of my panties aside, and then pushed two fingers deep into my cunt. Oh my god, he said. You're so I stroked him, kissed him, humped his thick fingers, held on for the hot, biting release my body needed, until another vision came. I tried to push the bastardly images away, but as my hips moved and our teeth scraped, I saw flashes of Ethan fighting for his life. He was helpless against the attack of the ancient werewolf. I pumped him faster, from root to warm, slick tip. He kissed and nipped my jawline, put his hand on mine, and we stroked his cock together. Flashes of Ethan's lifeless body, bloodied and curled over in agony, played behind my eyelids. I saw the red glowing eyes of the werewolf who was going to claim him. Its old, scarred muzzle soaked and dripping with blood as it stumbled back into the trees. Ethan hunched, masturbating both of us. He grunted against my cheek. His big hand felt so good holding mine, both of us stroking him. I held on, tried to keep going, my hips wanting to keep shoving onto his fingers, my cunt so desperate for release. Ethan? I recognized that voice. Come on, man, the mountain won't wait. Oh. The look on Mike's face told me that he didn't approve of what his friend was doing. Ethan quickly set to fixing his pants, but stayed close while I fumbled with my own clothes. As much as my body wanted the monster this beautiful big man would become, my conscience won out. I put a hand on Ethan's chest, ignoring Mike's impatient glare. Ethan's heartbeat thrummed beneath my palm, lust pumped in his veins. You shouldn't go, I whispered. How was I supposed to warn him about what was to happen? You mean climbing? Ethan smiled, forcing his breath to calm. My body ached to continue what we'd started. I nodded, it's, it's not safe. Let's go, Ethan. Big night tonight, Mike urged. Ethan waved his friend to hold on and put his lips next to my ear. When I get back... Ethan, come on, man. It's time to go. I want to see you. Wait, what's your name? Kate. Kate. The smile that formed on his lips, still swollen from my kisses, nearly took the strength from my knees, but he left anyway. My feeble warning unheeded. From the darkness behind me, I thought I heard someone laugh. I stared at the bloodstain I'd made with my tiny hand. 20 years ago. I could still feel the deep stab of the old witch's silver claw. She'd come to me, naked, more woman than beast, on the night I'd turned eight years old, her pale cheeks and proud breasts soft under the moonlight. She'd called me into the forest behind my parents' house, under a yellow harvest moon, whispering that she needed me and that her time was over. Her bushy tail flicked and caught my curious young eye as she emerged from a nearby dense thicket, slow and barefooted. I recalled how that beautiful sliver of shiny claw had pierced my chest bone, and then my small beating heart. The pain had been exquisite and had opened my powers. She'd given me the empty grimoire, instructed me to put my claw-drawn blood to its very first page. With her dying breath, she muttered words I couldn't understand. As my blood soaked into the parchment, several other pages filled with words, diagrams, and calendars. The old witch died there at my own small bare feet. I grieved, and I grew that night. I could sense the woman I would become. I'd pored over my grimoire's pages the rest of the night, preparing. By sunrise, the depraved need that filled my body was near overflowing. I was sweating profusely, absently rubbing the old scar between my breasts, when the sound of car horns and shrieking tires grabbed my attention. I looked through the storefront window, and my stomach dropped when I saw Pam sprinting across the street, ignoring oncoming traffic, while hot on Mike's heels. The guy looked as pale as a sheet. I don't know why, but part of me held on to the small chance that Ethan might have listened to my warning, pathetic as it was. I despised the guilt that tightened my throat and roiled in my gut. The grabby ache in my pussy, though, was relieved Ethan hadn't listened. I hadn't the power to change fate, but I could have tried a little harder. They barreled through my shop door at the same time. Pam, pink-faced and disgruntled, ''Kate, right? Something's...'' Mike nearly stumbled into me, gasping. The guy looked beyond exhausted. Pam, quick to grab the man's arm, held him back, it's Ethan. He's asking for you. He's He's been mauled, and now I think something's happening. My sister's not a doctor, sir. You need to call an ambulance. There are people who specialize in animal attacks, Pam said, straining to keep Mike on his feet. Look, I tried, lady. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't let me take him. Kept saying he needed this newsstand girl named Kate. Mike yanked his arm from Pam's grip. I told you this was going to happen, Pam. I closed the grimoire, tried to ignore the hot craving that burned beneath my skin. Pam shot me a look. This isn't the time for your make-believe shit. His friend needs an actual doctor. She made a move toward my shop phone, but Mike wavered and nearly took them both on a trip toward the hardwood floor. What apartment is he in? I asked, getting Mike's attention, ignoring how much Pam's words stung even now. Are you kidding? Please don't do this to me, Kate. Call an ambulance. He's not dying, Pam. He's changing, and he needs my help. Look, you can follow me and actually find out for yourself that none of this is make-believe, or you can stay here and cover the shop for me. Either way, I have to go over there. I tried to regulate my spinning brain for a half second, then grabbed my spellbook and left the shop, praying that Pam wouldn't make that phone call. If there was ever a time for her to prove me wrong, this was her golden opportunity. I used the crosswalk this time, rehearsing the spells that would prevent anyone from entering or leaving Ethan's apartment once I was in there. I heard Pam calling my name. Once I entered the building, all I had to do was follow the screams. I'd just finished the barricade and sound incantations. My throat was a little raw from the repetitive vocal exertion. I leaned, hunched against the door, quivered with every agonized scream that ripped from Ethan's throat. I held the grimoire tight to my chest, dragged my nipples over its textured insignia, and my cunt swelled. I'd need an outlet soon. Ethan would, too. I could feel him transforming. We could all hear his suffering through the paneled door. They were bickering like an old married couple over whether or not they should still call an ambulance. Pam whipped out her phone like she was some kind of gunslinger, set to call emergency services right then and there. Impatient, I knocked it from her hand. We both noticed my silver claws. It took everything I had to look Pam in the eye. Logic and reason finally slipped from my sister's scrutiny, but I ignored her sudden bewildered stare. The heat in my eyes told me that my sister was witnessing their change too. Mike stood nearby, hugging the wall, whimpering. This is supposed to happen. My change is nothing like what Ethan's going through. He screamed again, this time it nearly sent me to my knees. Our transformations were sinking. I tried to hide the sound of lust that rumbled in my throat each time he wailed in pain. But the sensation of needing to fuck consumed me. For a long moment, the wall held up both me and Mike. When the latest rush subsided, I pleaded with my sister. You have to help me right now, Pam, please. There's no time for questions. She swallowed, quickly nodding. When we go inside, do not let go of this book. Apparently, I was really going to let my sister witness everything. I shoved the grimoire at her. Her hands trembled, but she accepted it. I nearly wept when she didn't argue for once. You'll have to hold it up like this. I grabbed her wrists with my bloodied, silver-clawed fingers. It'll keep you safe, Pam. Even then, I steered clear of using the word magic. Oh God, I've gotta get in there. I yelled at Mike twice to give me the key. Only I could unlock and open the door. Blood stained the cream-colored foyer. A trail of blood along the beige carpet led all the way to the white leather couch. Ethan lay, balled up, his body a naked, writhing, musky, coppery-smelling mess. I winced at the horrible scene. Even from the entry, I could see that his big shoulders, chest, and the whole left side of his face were ruined. Werewolves were creatures indeed born of vicious violence, I turned to Pam. Her eyes had gone a little buggy as she observed, in plain disbelief, as Ethan's mangled face began to protrude. "'Pam, when I tell you to, open the book here!' I indicated the leather ribbon that marked the page I would need. "'Stay over there!' I pointed with my nose toward the wall opposite the couch. Careful with my claws, I removed my pants and underwear just in time. My tale was coming. Pam obediently crouched down, holding the grimoire up like a Roman shield. I loved her more than anything at that moment. Mike hesitated, though, pasty and on the verge of passing out. I tried to speak as calmly as was possible between Ethan's pained screams, but my teeth started growing a little pointy, too. I had to be careful not to pierce my own tongue when I spoke. I'm gonna help him, Mike. I promise. As though her mothering instincts had kicked in, Pam rushed over, balancing the spellbook while dragging Mike toward the wall opposite the ruined couch. How I could have done this without my sister was beyond me. I'd seen it happen in dozens of horror movies, watched the shift from human to monster. CGI never quite captured the meat and bone violence of the change. In real life, it was beyond horrific. I'd studied the diagrams in my grimoire since I was eight years old, memorized the intense stages of transformation. Going from human to werewolf began wherever the first bite occurred. The riotous shift of anatomy took hours. Most people didn't survive the first change, another reason why werewolves were so rare. Ethan curled in on himself. The sounds of his agony lubricated my cunt. He suddenly pitched and fell off the couch. I ran to his side, placed my silver-clawed hands to his feverish, blood-and-sweat-soaked chest. Coarse hair, the color of wet stone, filled in beneath my palms. My touch alleviated some of Ethan's pain, but he still didn't open his eyes. Now my cunt was dripping with expectation. The length of my spine burned as my tailbone grew, and we screamed in unison. The pain and our joined noise washed over my hot skin, and when I could feel my new bushy appendage against the backs of my naked thighs, I let out a howl. I recalled the gentle howls of the old witch who'd called me into the forest when I was eight years old, how her calm poise was so mesmerizing. I hadn't feared her. Ethan writhed on the floor, still screaming his throat raw as he spasmed. His body curled and uncurled. He thrashed and screamed some more and finally turned over onto his hands and knees. I stood there, gripped by the urge to fuck. Then came a succession of loud, knuckle-popping sounds along Ethan's spine and hips as his torso widened and lengthened. Sobs of exhaustion filled the room as his arms grew unnaturally long. His knees cracked backward into new, impossible angles. Long, coarse hair now covered his entire body, softening the violence happening beneath his skin. In the home stretch, after his tendons had reshaped themselves and his neck thickened, Ethan's grimacing muzzle showed the hideous final lengthening of his canine teeth. When Ethan let out his first werewolf howl, my bones practically hummed. Ethan was magnificent. Deadly, but mine, if I handled this right. While his body had taken on the same enormous bestial shape of the monster that had attacked him, I now resembled the wolf witch who'd come to me that night so long ago. Ethan had become the nightmare, and me, a sort of monster tamer. Ethan stood on bent, long-heeled hind legs. His thickly-haired body, giant as he stood in the small apartment-sized living room, heaved with each recovering breath. Finding his newly weighted balance, he turned. Eyes, icy in their crimson glow, looked at me, unblinking, without recognition. My nerves quaked when his hairy lips lifted into a snarl that revealed a mouthful of yellow-white teeth. I moved laterally, never breaking eye contact, as Ethan glared at me, snarling, sniffing. His new senses were bombarded by my presence, but that was our design. I needed to remove him from the violence and brutality that was already taking over his brain. I fanned my tail so that the robust scent of my arousal permeated the room and penetrated his mind. Ethan's growls lowered in volume, and we began to circle the small living room. On numb legs... I drew Ethan in, moment by moment, until his hot, feral breaths calmed. He licked the air, tasting my musk. When I'd secured his interest, it was time. I partway turned my back to him. He knuckle-walked closer, sniffing the length of my tail. Goosebumps tightened my scalp, and when he tasted my exposed, cunt-perfumed inner thigh, I groaned, my claws cutting into my palms. Ethan's long ears twitched, and he snarled at the scent of my blood. Any sudden movements, the spell would break, and Ethan would kill me. My grimoire's protective magic would die with me, and then, so would Pam and Mike. Even so, expectation dripped down my inner thighs. I stroked the wet folds of my cunt, mindful of my new claws as my clitoris swelled. When I vocalized my lust, the werewolf stepped closer. I faced the monster again, still swishing my tail so that he followed my flavor. Within the hairy thatch of Ethan's groin, his werewolf's cock protruded, dripped. I pulled a deep breath into my lungs, savoring his scent, and vocalized my approval. Ethan's ears perked forward, alert, his dew claws twitching to hold me down for a fucking. But first, I had to claim him. Once he got hold of me, he wouldn't let go for a long time. I felt lightheaded. The urge to bend over and lift my tail right then was almost too much to resist. I gritted my pointed teeth bit back the hard-pressing desire as best I could. I circled the room again, and when the monster was finally close enough, I slashed, then flung myself backward, very much out of Ethan's reach. The werewolf reared, incensed at the sting of five deep lacerations I'd clawed across his broad chest. I needed his blood, drawn by my claw, to form the collar. Pam's scream cut the air, filled the apartment, and fueled the werewolf's rage. The flash of murder in his glassy red eyes terrified me, beckoned to me. His thick neck twisted, and he turned his snarls toward Pam's whimpers. Ethan locked onto my sister. I could tell that she was about to drop the grimoire. I lunged, blocked Ethan's sight of her. The hairs along his massive shoulders bristled, and he snapped at me, his teeth loud and almost too quick. I fell, landing at Pam's gray and pink sneakers. For a moment, I couldn't breathe. I wheezed my sister's name, and as though she could read my desperate mind, she slammed the oversized spellbook down onto the carpet, just missing my nose. She fumbled for the bookmarked page. Ethan sprung. To protect us, I twisted onto my hands and knees to ward off as much of his attack as I could. My tail tucked between my legs automatically. The moment Pam opened the book, I slammed my hand down, marked the blank page with Ethan's blood. Time slowed down. An immediate compression of magic filled the air around me. Cold metal lifted from the page beneath my waiting, blood-stained fingers. The tickle of fur against my ass and thighs brought erotic chills to my skin. Pam, terror-stricken, scrambled back until she and Mike were pressed against the wall, the spellbook forgotten. The moment I felt the burn of crowded teeth sinking into my left shoulder, my fingers closed around the fully formed collar. I screamed at the inescapable hold Ethan had of me. The pleasure pain of my flesh being bitten, tugged, torn, was a sickening sweet torment. Even now, my cunt responded. My hips rocked backward against Ethan's hairy abdomen, driven by hard animal lust. Pam's and Mike's terrified shrieks thinned into the distance. Darkness closed in as I twisted, bit, and slashed again and again until I could finally twist all the way back around, exposing my vulnerable front side to the werewolf. With numb, trembling, blood-soaked fingers, I opened the heavy collar. Ethan's snapping teeth careened toward my throat, but before he could rend the life from my body, I shoved the collar around his thick, hairy neck. The click of silver brought Ethan's bloodlust to a halt, just as his canines tightened on my jugular. He roared, stumbled back a few steps, and shook his massive head. The red in his eyes dimmed, reverting back to their natural cavern brown color. I could see that his mind wanted to attack me again, but the collar wouldn't let him. For a moment, there was nothing but fur and hot panting breath, Hovering above me. Our grunts of fucking were garbled. A frenzied, feral bliss. My orgasms were magical. We were claws, teeth, tails, and sex. We rutted, ravished one another. Fucked like vicious animals right there in front of Pam and Mike, who stared on, wide-eyed, breathless with shock. They didn't exist in this room. The skin of my knees and elbows and chin and breasts was rubbed raw by the friction against the blood-soaked carpet. My blood ran. Ethan's bites, while not vicious now, still tore open both my shoulders. None of this was about love. His grunts and thrusts were savage. I strained and wailed, feverish, insatiable, Ethan was in high heat, his cock shoving and withdrawing. My tender, slick cunt tightening with greed, taking the full length of him. His claws clutched my haunches, but I braced myself for him. This was the taming. Our fucking cast an unbreakable spell between us. I would keep him safe, and he was mine. I would feel his long, rough fur moving against my skin every full moon. I endured his weight and force, and one by one, my orgasms washed over me in long, exhilarating waves. His cum spilled everywhere, inside of me, onto the carpet, over my tail. As soon as our wounds healed, we'd reopen them. The scent of lust and blood fueling our ceremony. This was our first moon. If there were any scars, we'd count them come morning. my story wolf witch written by me um you know me entertaining a little fantasy of mine thank you so much for listening again it is so fucking great to be back on the show for you guys if you want to follow me on twitter you can i am at rose Caraway. follow the kmq show at the kmq remember if you want to email me you can do so at the kiss me at gmail.com If you want me to read it on the show, you have to sign off with the name you want me to read and give me permission to read it. Not all emails are guaranteed to be read on the show, but I will definitely be reading them every episode if I can. All right, for more fun, sexy stories, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Carraway. Sign up for Audible's 30-day trial and you can get one of my audiobooks for free. Your subscription will include one free audiobook every month, as well as give you discounted prices on all my audiobooks. You can cancel at any time. The Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by The Sexy Librarian's Erotica Broadcast.
1: The k and would like to thank the following musical artists. Machette, Ryan Little Kai Ingle, Three Chain Links Roz Call, Rope Walk, Fog Lake, Pipe Choir, Portrayal, and the feature credit music, Novocaine by Fog Lake. Links will be available in the show notes.
0: stupid fish Are you flipping me off Mm-mm. Don't flip me I'm off not. That's rude I, It's just a finger see I'll Break your fingers off in my snatch